Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Score! The Cards win! The Cards win! They walk them off! The Cards win! And they see new life here in Omaha! You're listening to the 3rd and Central Podcast, powered by the state of Louisville. Now... Here's Matt McGavick. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone back to another episode of the Third and Central Podcast, a Louisville baseball-centric podcast on the State of Louisville Network. That's right, we did so well on that first episode. We're back for another round. I'm Matt McGavick, the Louisville Report Deputy Reporter, joined by Matt Sikovic, Rivals contributor. Matt, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm ready to uh, get some ACC baseball started this weekend. Oh, I'm I'm just as ready as you. That's when that's when the big boy ball talks. We've got a we've got a loaded episode for you guys tonight. We're gonna give a brief recap on as to their two week non conference schedule. There's gonna there's gonna be some more non conference game coming up. Of course, they've got the games with against UK, Cincinnati, Western Kentucky, and Vandy, and all those. But their their giant chunk to start the season of non conference games is now over. As of their recording, they're going to start ACC play. Like you said, they're gonna kick off with a three-game series against Georgia Tech down in Atlanta. So they're they're really getting started on a hot note as Georgia Tech, as of late, is playing some pretty good baseball. Uh, we're going to go over some some early storylines to the season. They're going to talk a little bit some, with some of the struggles with the clutch hitting and just some of the hitting in general. We're going to kind of take a deeper dive into the bullpen and, and another look at a storyline that we talked about even in our first episode with like absences and whatnot. And we're going to go over some standouts, who are some people that are struggling, and yeah, it, it, it's going to be a good episode. Let's let's first get started with this non-conference recap. Heading into ACC play, they're now six and two on the season. Got things started with a three-zero sweep at Bellarmine at home. It was this is a good good series to get things started. They used that to carry into a midweek win over EKU, winning that six to one. And then after that, started to get a few bumps in the road. They kicked off their uh, three-game seri- weekend series against Western Illinois. Dropped their first game of the series, uh, five three, I believe it was. They they were able to three eight to three. Okay, three. They played at three, close enough. And then, but they were able to rally and sweep a doubleheader the next day against the Leathernecks. And by the way, 
that's got to be one of the best nicknames in all of Division One baseball, the Leathernecks. Like that's, I, I don't. What kind of mascot would that even be? I don't know. Every time I was typing it out, I would like second guess myself. I was like, that that can't be right. Um, so I looked it up multiple times on the web on their site, and sure enough, that that is the correct mascot. But I have no idea what it is. I would love to um, attend a home uh, game just so I could see what their mascot actually looks like in person. But um, I have no idea what it is. Oh, I'm sure. The, I'm sure the person wearing the mascot suit's got to have an interesting job. And then uh, after that uh, series win, they unfortunately played Morehead State. That's a team that statistically they've done really well against, and they had their worst loss of the season so far. And considering they've already they had already dropped a game against Western Illinois, a team who isn't really that great. They were 0 for 13 last year before the season was cut to a halt. And Morehead State, they were on a 20 game win streak. It was Louisville's longest longest active win streak against a single opponent they hadn't lost the eagles since the year 2000 this was six years before six seven years before coach Mackey even came here this is when they were still under lilo prado it, it has been that long since louisville had dropped a contest to moorhead state and they just went flat out cold so there, there's there's it's not been peachy keen, smooth sailing so far the first couple weeks to start the season. There are some question marks surrounding this team. Now, granted, that's not to rain on the team's parade. They're still doing some things very well, but it's it's going to be interesting to see how they how they transition into ACC play, given everything that's gone on so far. Yeah, and you know, I think one thing to keep in mind is in the past, um, some little teams have started slow, and they pick it up as the season goes on, um, as when they get into conference play. So I, th- I think that's something to um, keep in mind um, as they and progress into the ACC starting this weekend. Um, as the competition picks up, um, typically the level of play for Louisville picks up as well. Right, absolutely. And now let's transition to some of the early storylines that so far the first couple of weeks. We've already gone over who they play. Now let's talk about how they've played them. One, one of the biggest points so far this season is that this is a team that's kind of struggled with clutch hitting and maybe to an extent hitting in general. So far through that uh, Moorhead State game, they're now 18 for 84 with runners in scoring position. That's batting just 214 when you've got a man like on just about to score. That's that's not winning baseball right there. And it was exceptionally bad against Moorhead State. That was arguably the reason that they lost that game. They were 0 for 12 against the Eagles with runners in scoring position, and they left 19 runners on base. I, I double checked it, and that ever since they started keeping records in 2000, because before that, records are kind of shoddy, so they don't use it as an official mark. But ever since records were started in the year 2000, that is a Louisville record. Home, away, postseason, regular season, doesn't matter. That was the most Louisville had ever left on base in a single game. And just for their, their team batting average in general through eight games, they're batting 272, which, don't get me wrong, that's not, that's not bad. But by by Louisville standards, given everything that they've accomplished under uh, Coach Mack, that's not exactly the greatest, especially when you're not playing the best quality baseball opponents. Like like I mentioned earlier, Western Illinois was 0 for 13 last year. Moorhead was 1 for 5 heading into their game against Louisville. And just to give a bigger context as to kind of their hitting struggles, that 272 mark is 70th out of the 235 teams that have played a game so far. Cause I know some leagues are not playing or some leagues are getting a late start. I know I'm not sure if the big 10 has started yet. So obviously more teams will come into the fold then, but they've got a little bit of growing to do in that regard. Yeah. And uh, you know, going back to what you said about Moorhead state, leaving 19 runners on base, um, you know, when you leave over two runners on base per inning, 
it's going to be hard to win ball games. Um, you know, if you can't win games against Moorhead State, leaving that many runners on base, imagine, you know, when you're playing teams like Georgia Tech and you're playing teams with like Miami in conference, um, that's not a recipe to win conference games in the ACC. It's just, it's just not going to happen. No, absolutely not. But like we, we actually had this conversation with Nick Bennett and Jake Snyder. Uh, baseball is baseball. I mean, you're going to have games like that. It doesn't help that you, you're doing it against a competition that you should be handling with ease. But as, as you and I both know, baseball is a sport. It's, it's the most upset prone sport of them all. Like I think the exact quote that I used in the interview, the, the 1920s murderers row Yankees could lose to the hundred lost Houston Astros. And it wouldn't be a shock. I mean, it would be a shock to see that happen nonetheless, but it wouldn't be a surprise that those kind of things happen. Well, if you look at some of the upsets that have just happened, you know, already this year, um, EKU beat Georgia Tech, um, Georgia State beat Georgia Tech the other day. Vandy has, you know, gotten beat. Um, you know, there's been a lot of upsets this year that you look on paper and you're like, you know, how did that happen? So it happens in college baseball. It's going to happen this year more so than any other year just because the landscape of COVID. So we're going to see that happen this year. So um, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. It's happening to everyone. Um, you know, you look at even Ole Miss – you know, went to went down to Texas and beat three top 12 teams um, in the opening weekend. And then they come home and laid an egg to Central Florida. So it, it's happening. Um, it's going to happen throughout the year just because of um, what we're going to experience with baseball this year during COVID. Right. And that's not to say there's not players who aren't doing well to play. There's there's plenty of players. There's uh, there's quite a few actually who are having really hot starts of the year. And we'll we'll get into that later when we talk about our standouts and who's struggling and whatnot. But we'll, we'll, let's transition until the other side. Let's transition to the mound. So this going into this season, uh, this was a team who was viewed to have a really deep position set of players. And when it came to the pitching staff, maybe not so much. We had talked about how they had lost two first rounders to the to the uh, MLB draft, uh, their pitching, uh, their starting rotation. And while there was still a bunch bunch of guys there, it's, it wasn't going to be as deep as their as their position players. But so far through the first two weeks of the season, that we've seen numerous guys get get time and put up quality um, innings and outings so far through eight games, 19 pitchers have seen time. And out of those 19, only four of them have been exclusive starters. So that's 15 guys who are just having an exclusive bullpen role so far to start the season. And considering the guys who might have to sit out due to injuries or COVID, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but that's, that's a really promising sign. Yeah, I think so. And then, you know, you look at the, um, continue down look at the stats. This team right now is ranked 18th in the country uh, with a 2.38 ERA um, so far this season. And like Matt was saying, you know, going into the season, the pitching staff didn't have quite the name recognition that the position players did. Um, but Roger Williams, he's, you know, used a lot of pitchers early and often this year. Um, it's going to take um, all of them in the bullpen this year to get through the season uh, with um, injuries and COVID and everything else going on. So I think getting the experience out there early and seeing the success that these guys are having on the mound is going to go a long way this year. Especially, like you said, you never know any given weekend who's going to be available and who's not. And that that Western Illinois series is a prime example. I think it was two or so hours before first pitch of that Friday game. And we got the press release that there were going to be 11 guys out for that entire series. Now, the university didn't uh, explain why. And, of course, they're going to 
withhold those reasons for obviously privacy issues and whatnot. But on the bright side, well, maybe not the bright side, but on the better side, there were several people on that list that we know for a fact were out with injuries. I know Gavin Sullivan was on there. Coach Mack told us before uh, the season started that he's out for the year. Kerry Wrights had injuries. Uh, Ryan Hawks had an injury as well. Ben Metzinger. Ben Metzinger has been having back issues. And there's there are also a couple other guys on there. I can't remember what the entire list off the top of my head, but. There, it, it wasn't like an, a COVID outbreak of sorts. So there were more injuries on that list than we were made initially aware of. So it's, it's, not, a, it's not a huge issue, but it, it further accentuates the point that this is a season, like Coach Max said in our interview in episode one, you might be a freshman, but you've got to be more ready than any other freshman ever has been in this program because you never know when your number is going to get called. Because in the, in, on that list, Glenn Albanese was out. He didn't pitch Friday. And then Dalton Rushing, who had started every game up to that point, he was out. So that that elevated guys further up the depth chart. And then as a result, guys who would normally be in backup roles behind those guys were now put like put on deck for maybe late game situations to get some innings. Yeah, and I think we'll talk about some of those guys here in just a little bit that have kind of stood out this season. And we didn't maybe necessarily think we'd hear, hear their name called this early. Um, but they've had to step up in situation roles that um, they've been able to shine. And I think, um, you know, we've got a couple of freshmen that we may um, didn't think we were going to see this soon, um, but they're putting up pretty, pretty impressive numbers so far in the first eight games of their college career. Absolutely. And now, now we'll just use this as a second way to talk about some of those standouts. Of course, when, when talking about standouts so far on this level team, I think the conversation so far starts not with Henry Davis, even though he's the one who's been like the Golden Spikes uh, preseason watch list recipient and whatnot. It's got to be uh, Cam Masterman, the outfielder. He's he's started off on a, just an absolute tear. I mean, in that first series against Bellarmine, he had a home run in every game. Now, he hasn't had a home run since, but still, when you have three home runs through the first couple weeks of the season, that's something to sniff at. So far, he's batting... 478 he's 11 for 23 got a trio of home runs seven rbi eight walks and i know it's just through two weeks so it's not it's not a huge sample size but he's got an ops of 1538 i mean if you're in the majors if you got one of 1250 that's like an mvp level season and like i said not a huge sample size but considering he's starting like this that's that's a great sign yeah, I think uh, the numbers that Cam Master and putting up this year are just they're just silly. Um, and I don't think it's anything that I know I didn't expect to see out of Cam. I, you know, we've seen um, power that he's had in the past, um, but we haven't seen Cam, you know, ha- have a uh, this much of a role in Louisville's offense. And it's not something I expected. So um, it has definitely been good to see with a couple other guys that, you know, are taking a little bit more time to get started this year. Right. And of course, like I just mentioned, uh, Henry Davis is obviously part of that conversation as well. He's also had a great start to the season. He's batting just a hair over 400 at 407. He's got a pair of long balls of his own. He's leading the team in RBIs with 10. He's also got seven walks. And I think one of the more impressive stats prior to that Moorhead State game, he didn't have a single strikeout on the year. He only has one strikeout in his 27 plate appearances. And something something that really stood out to me He's second on the team. A catcher is second on the team in stolen bases. He's five for five. He's second only to Levi Usher, who's one of the fastest players on the team. So, and it shouldn't surprise me considering Dan McDonald coach teams have always been privy to base running and just base running aggressiveness in general. But to see a catcher do that, that's, that's insane to me. 
I think that's one of my favorite things about uh, Davis um, and Coach McDonald, just his style that he plays, is he doesn't care who you are or what position you play. Um, you're going to have an opportunity to steal bases in his system. Um, and Davis has proved that. Um, it's just it's early in the season, but five for five from a catcher, um, that's pretty impressive, especially you know when you're only behind Levi Usher, um, like you said, who's one of the fastest guys on the team. And I think that kind of segues into um, some of the pitchers that have stood out this year. And like I talked about, the we've had a couple of freshmen that have been thrown into situations that we didn't think we would see this early. But freshman Caleb Corbett um, from Fern Creek, I believe, here in Louisville, yep. um, he has thrown 6.1 innings this year. And in those 6.1 innings, he already has 11 strikeouts with just one walk and two hits and hasn't given up a run yet. Yeah, he, he's been super impressive. Every time he's he's taken the mound, he's been lights out. He's been striking guys out left and right. And like you said, he's he's gonna he's someone that has needed to step up. And so far, he's knock on wood. He's looking. He's going to continue to to do that. Whether or not he he does that against Georgia Tech would, remains to be seen. But so far, based on some early returns, he's shaping up to have a, a relatively solid freshman debut. And one thing I like about him is, you know, he's coming in a couple big situations and shows a lot of emotion out of the mound. I think he really pumps up the dugout. Um, he's had a couple strikeouts um, in the Louisville baseball Twitter accounts, put him out, you know, a couple of gifs of him just coming <laughs> off the mound, just pumped up. So yep. I, I think he, what you know, he's not just performing well on the field, but he's also bringing juice back to the dugout. So I, I think that's going to go a long way if he can keep up the numbers he's putting up. Right. And speaking of juice, Adam Elliott, the left-hander, he's having another stellar year coming back for a fifth year. He's both uh, started a game and he's come back out of the bullpen. I'm not sure what his role is going to be moving forward, but so far he's pitched almost an entire game's worth. He's pitched eight innings, got 10 strikeouts of his own. He's given up a, a trio of walks and a trio of hits, but just like Caleb Corbett, he's also given up zero runs. So he, he's doing a solid job so far. And Two of those guys, what they have in common, I mean, we've long known that Adam Elliott's been one of the the heart and soul of the team when it comes to just pure emotion and energy. I mean, hell, even when, when he strikes out an ending, ending strikeout, they play his little, yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> that little sound clip. <laughs> I just, I love how they've embraced that. I, I think the same could be said too with, you know, Michael Keery and, He's, you know, started a game, but also come out of the um, bullpen a game. And mm -hmm. he hasn't given up a run yet either this year um, with uh, four strikeouts and two walks, just giving up three hits in five innings. So, um, you know, we'll see what his role is going to be like this weekend as well, going into Georgia Tech. Um, but Kirian has started this year the way he left off last year, which is, um, you know, he didn't give up a run last year either. And actually building off that real quick, he's uh, per the game notes, he's actually going to be the Friday night starter. So that that's going to be interesting. He he looked he looked solid in his, his previous outing. I believe he started against what was it against Western Illinois? Was it? I think it was Western Illinois started. Western Illinois, yeah. He he looks solid. I mean, like just like Elliot said after his first start, it was a little bit of a, an odd transition because mm -hmm. you're used to just being a bullpen guy all your life, and then you're starting against maybe not the best competition, but you're starting in college mm -hmm. at the D1 stage. So that, that's it's a completely that's a, different mindset that you have. Oh, absolutely. Your whole routine's different. Your approach, not, maybe not your approach is different, but just, just how you're inserted into the game. You're usually more often than not being put into a jam of sorts or you, you go into when the game's like well underway and then you just go on there when the game's not even started yet. So it's it, it, it has the potential to throw you off a little bit. But I'm sure knowing Kirian, knowing the stuff that he has and the mindset that he's made of, 
he should have a really solid outing against Georgia Tech. He'll, yeah, at least I would hope so. Georgia Tech's up, got some really hot bats. And, you know, one thing, you know, going from a closer role to a starter role, when you're a closer, um, you know, you may go out there and throw, what, 12, 15, 20 pitches, and you know that's going to be your your whole game. Your max, yeah. Um, you know, so you can go out there and with everything you've got for one inning, um, but as a starter, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll wear down pretty quick. And I think that's why, you know, we'll, we will see him on a pitch count. We did, uh, you know, last weekend. So we'll see him on a pitch count again this weekend until he can build up that stamina. But it's just a completely different mindset going from the bullpen to a, a starting rotation. Yeah, I'm wondering when a lot of the bullpen guys who are making the transition to starter will have that pitch count lifted because I, I, I wasn't expecting. I knew some guys would require a pinch out, pitch count just because they're not physically used to going in that long. But it seemed like almost every single starter this year has been on a pitch count of sorts. And I'm not sure it's that's, if that's been a staff-wide approach or it's just been a really weird coincidence with the guys that they're putting out there. But it'll be interested, interesting when they when they start to lift those pitch counts off those guys and who, who they do it against. And right. uh, just kind of transitioning, uh, we were talking about the guys who so far this season are performing well, Henry Davis, Masterman, Corbett, Elliott, but then considering this team is six and six and two with a couple of questionable losses and even in their wins, they've looked a little shaky at times there. There's been a couple guys who have struggled. I know a couple guys in the infield, there's Tim Borden. He's one, one ninety four for 21 with six strikeouts. Ben Bianco. He's kind of had a pseudo starters role and he's only batting two for 11. And out of those 11 plate appearances, he struck out eight times. So he's, he's not had a great start, but no one struggled as mightily so far this season as third baseman Alex Manelis. In the preseason, he was selected to be a Golden Spikes a watch list recipient. He was named a preseason All-ACC, and he's just not looked comfortable at all so far to start the season. He's only two for 31. That's batting 065 with, I believe he's got the most strikeouts on the team with nine. And just just looking at his swing, it seems like he's – it's not like he's making bad decisions. He just doesn't seem comfortable up there in the box, which to, to his credit, we were talking to um, Eric Snyder before the season started, and Alex's handmate injury lasted well into the fall. I mean, it, it healed at that point, but he, it, it took him a little bit while up until the spring to truly get a little bit more comfortable from hitting, and – Snyder straight up said that in the fall, his defense was just okay. It wasn't good. It wasn't great. It was just okay. And when you're on the hot corner, you'll get screamers down that line sometime. And when you're dealing with a hand injury, I'm sure that's got to mess you up mentally. Yeah, and that's the type of injury that just kind of lingers around for a while. And fortunately, we haven't seen that out of Lucas Dunn because he had the same injury before the season started last year. Um, but it seems like, you know, it could be something that's still bothering uh, Benellis, even though it's been – I guess right about a year now because it's it yeah, was this right uh, year. It was right out a year ago when it happened. So yeah, I believe um, it was the second or third game in that old Miss series to start yes. last year. Um, so you know it's something you think that he would be over by now, but um, you know he could still have lingering effects from it. But good thing about Alex and Matt and I were talking about this. I believe it was this weekend or last weekend. He started off 2019. Two for nineteen, I believe two, that year. Two for nineteen. He he had a very similar start during his freshman year, and now it wasn't as bad as this, but he he had similar struggles out of the gates before he just flipped a switch and just turned everything on. It was just tearing the cover off the ball. I was like, you know, that year started two for nineteen, and they ended up being a 
you know, all American. So right. um, not saying that that's going to happen again this year, but we've seen this out of him in the past and it turned out to be a pretty solid year for him. Absolutely. And like we, we were just talking to uh, Nick Bennett and Jake Snyder, like, Hey, what, what goes on when a, a pitcher or an, a batter is struggling when in, in a situation like this. And sometimes you've got to, it's mental more than it is physical sometimes. And it seems like with Alex, it's maybe not physical anymore. Cause I would, I, I would assume that his hamate bone is 100%, you know, healed at this point, considering it's been a year. So it looks like it's just a mental thing now. So I'm hoping he breaks out of it sooner rather than later. I think he will because he's just too talented of a hitter not to. We, we saw what he did the final two, three months of that 2019 season when he was a freshman. He, he was one of the best power hitters in the ACC. So he, he's got the talent. He's got the, the skill both at the play and in the field. It's, it's just a matter of when he's able to, you know, mentally break out of that funk more so than, you know, tweak his own mechanics and whatnot. No, I think you're you hit the nail on the head 100. It's 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 all mental right now. Um, and you know, looking back to that 2019 season, um, 14 home runs and 59 RBIs, and that's after you started two for 19 on the season. Yeah, um, you know that's that's pretty impressive. Um, and this team's going to rely on him. And not saying that we have to have numbers like that because this is a pretty deep lineup. Um, but if this team's going to make another you know run at the ACC and wants to get back to Omaha, Alex, you know it, it's a bat they they really need to. Um, you know, produce in order to make a run like that again. Well, yeah. When you start the season like that, and then you end up having the most home runs as a freshman since Chris Dominguez, who is one of the best players in program history, you, you must've had a hot second half of the season. <laughs> right. So I, I, you know, I have no doubt that he can turn it around. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, when it's going to be. And kind of building off of, like you said, the ACC, we're, let's, we're going to give a brief preview of Georgia Tech. But first, I want to get uh, get to, you know, talking about the ACC in general for the first couple weeks, just to get, kind of give a little bit of perspective to how things are going around the league to fans, because Louisville's not the only team who has struggled out of the gates in, in this conference, bit. not by a long shot. I know when the um, when the season first started week one, there were as much as nine ACC teams ranked in the top 25. The ACC is one of, if not the best uh, baseball conference right now, maybe kind of vouching for that spot with the SEC, who has always got loaded teams year in and year out. And so uh, most of those teams, including Louisville, have struggled. Like Miami, fresh off of their series win against consensus number one Florida, went on to get swept through the next week they're now three for three on the season uva who is kind of viewed as this the third best team in the conference behind miami and louisville they're five and three nc state got swept at home by georgia tech they're now three and four wake forest is kind of like a tail end of the top 25 team they're three and four florida state got swept in tallahassee by pitt who is not exactly a baseball power. They're now two and four and Duke, who's got some really solid guys, especially in their pitching staff, they're four and four. So when you look at things and see that Louisville is six and two, you kind of think, okay, in the scheme of the league, Louisville's maybe not in a bad spot. Well, when you, you look down the top 25, I think this week D1 baseball had seven teams ranked in the top 25 and four ACC teams fell out of the top 25 from last week. So between last week and this week, there's 11 teams that were ranked in the top 25 of the 14 teams. So it's going to be a deep year, especially in a year that we're playing more conference games than we've ever played. Um, right. But if you look at 
like Matt was saying, Miami lost a series to Virginia Tech. It was picked to finish six in the Coastal Division. Notre Dame beats a you know ranked ranked Wake Forest team. And they were picked to finish last in the Atlantic Division. So it, it's not just one or two teams that are struggling. Um, it's pretty much across the board. The ACC after just one series so far, um, they're beating up on each other quite a bit. And Louisville, I think, and there's only one other ACC team. I don't remember who was hasn't played an ACC game yet. We're one of the two schools, but I don't remember who the other one was. But kind of as a counterpoint to some of the teams that are struggling, there's a handful of teams that are surging that are surging up the the polls. Like, uh, like you said, mentioned Virginia Tech. They're five and one. UNC. They're they're a typical powerhouse. They 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 didn't get a lot of preseason accolades and attention, but now they're six and one. And a team that I'm personally really high on, just because I've had firsthand experience with how they were when they squared off against Louisville in the 2019 ACC tournament. And a lot of those guys are still there is Boston college. They're five and one. They've got an all American candidate in South Freelich. They've got a really solid backup option. And Cody Morris said they've got a good pitching rotation. If when when Louisville has to face Boston College, I would not be surprised one bit to see if Boston College won that series or even swept them because I think Boston College is just that good. I, you know, I didn't get the opportunity to watch them, but, you know, I saw where they, you know, won the series at Duke. Um, so, you know, Boston College, um, you know, they can make some noise um, this year in the Atlantic. Um, just if you look down the teams in the Atlantic that are struggling so far this year, it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me one bit to see them, you know, make a run. Um, and it'd be nice to see Boston College step it up in baseball a little bit and have a little rivalry with them. Right. And it like we like we mentioned, it's it's gonna take some time, especially in this COVID year. I mean, it's it still seems seem, sounds weird to say COVID year because it's lasted so long now. But it it teams and players it might take a little bit longer to get things figured out. Like as we've documented here just in the last few minutes, Louisville's not had it nearly as bad as some of the other teams in the ACC. And in fact, if I told you that we're six and two and other teams are already under 500 for the year, I think most Louisville fans would say, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll take it. I <laughs> yeah. say so going into our first series in the ACC, um, it, it could be a lot worse compared to what some of the other teams are facing right now. Oh, absolutely. And kind of wrapping up our ACC preview, we'd be remiss if we uh, didn't bring up the team that, you know, they're facing this weekend in the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. They've kind of had a little bit of an, an up and down start to their season, but they've looked a lot better doing it whenever they, they're all operating on all, all cylinders. They started off their their season with a series win over EKU. They did drop one EKU. EKU ended up putting nine on their heads, but then they followed it up with a midweek win over Mercer. Like I said, they swept NC State who at the time was ranked as high as number eight in the nation. They swept them in rally, but then they follow that up with a 10-1 thumping against Georgia State. So Georgia Tech, when they're at their best, they're hard to beat, but they're not immune to losses themselves. Yeah, I think when you look down their roster, too, is, um, you know, they're not strong just um, at the plate or on the mound. You know, right now they're 20th in the country um, with 11 home runs. What I think what's impressive about that, though, is they don't have one guy that's doing it. They have four different players that have at least two home runs. So it's not like you just have one guy in the middle of the lineup. Um, it's it's across the board. They've got power. So you've really got a lot of guys that you've got to pitch around um, and have a threat of a hitting a long ball. 
Oh, absolutely. They've got five batters that are batting over 300. Now, granted, that's they, against EKU, it's against Mercer, it's against Georgia State, but they, they've got a, a serious a serious swoop against NC State in there. So that's it's not empty sets there. And, of course, uh, they're led by Kevin Parada, who's batting 440. He's got a pair of homers, and he's got 10 RBI, all of which uh, lead the team. And he actually won ACC Player of the Week this past week. Uh, so he, he's he's going to be a threat for that pitching staff to keep tabs on whether it's the starters, the bullpen. They, they've they've got some the people that you you can't pitch around. It's it's going to be difficult from for our the Louisville pitchers. And then speaking about pitchers, my goodness, Georgia Tech's got some dudes out there because two of their three weekend starters. I mean, it's only been a pair of midweeks, uh, not midweek, a pair of weekend starts. It's only two through the season, but they got ERAs under one. Got Brant Herter and Sam Crawford and Andy Archer, the third guy in the rotation. He's actually their uh their Saturday guy. He's at four seven something the last time I checked his ERA. But their other two options when it comes to their, their starting rotation, they they're lights out. It, it's gonna it's gonna be difficult for a team who's already having a little bit of struggle with hitting, particularly in clutch situations. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard. And I don't care who you're playing you know, in the college level. If you have, you know, sub one ERA um, after two starts, um, you do got some dudes out there. Mm-hmm. So um, Louisville's going to have to put the ball in play. And the good thing about this Georgia Tech team, if you're a Louisville fan, is they're not very good defensively. Uh, right now they're 181st in the country in fielding percentage. They already have 13 errors um, on the Jeez. season in just eight games. So if you put the ball in play against this team, you know, things can happen. Um, and especially as aggressive as Coach Mack, Coach Mack is going to be down there, um, just put the ball in play, put a little pressure on their defense, put a little pressure on that pitching staff, and you never know what can happen. Right, and that's actually something that Louisville's kind of struggled a bit themselves. They've got a fielding percentage that ranks just outside the top 100, um, just outside the top 100 at 960. So that's I'm hoping that that gets cleaned up. I'm sure it will going forward. Uh, the players are too good. The coaching staff is too talented. They're too experienced. They'll they'll get the ship corrected sooner rather than later. I know we we were just talking to Nick Ben and Jake Snyder, and Nick kind of hit the nail on the head. You've got fans who're like, "Oh, Louisville baseball is not going to be good this year." After just watching a couple games where they might lay a stinker out there, like like I've already said, baseball is the most upset prone sport there is anyone could be anyone at any given time. It just depends on who's who wants it more or who's coming in with more momentum or, or what have you like it. There's going to, you're not going to have a perfect season in college baseball. That's just not going to happen. Louisville's going to take some losses here and there, but then like Nick said, once ACC ball starts, it's when that little bit of a light switch turns on and this is big boy ball. Now, so now you're getting a little bit more amped up, a little bit more juice for some of these guys that are going to come at you because they've got some good stuff as well. Yeah, and, you know, one thing to add to uh, about the Georgia Tech series coming up uh, this weekend, and Jake kind of hit on a little bit, is uh, former card uh, Zeke Pinkham. He is actually a volunteer assistant down at Georgia Tech, and, you know, he played at Louisville uh, 2016 through 2019 and was on the College World Series team. Um, he actually caught the game against Mississippi State when we uh, walked them off the ninth. Um, but you know, that, that could come into play a little bit this weekend. I think, um, you know, he knows the Louisville system. He knows the staff, he knows the style they're going to play. Um, probably familiar with some of the pitchers we've got on the staff, not some of the younger guys, but a couple of the older guys. Um, so I think that could maybe have a little bit of impact on the game because he kind of knows this Louisville team as well as anybody being in the program for four years. 
Right. That's that's an advantage for the Yellow Jackets. And I'm I'm sure he's going to probably divulge as many secrets as he can. Like, I'm, I'm I know he played for Louisville, but I mean, Georgia Tech is, is uh, giving him his paycheck. So, <laughs> right. He's, he's a coach. He's trying to make, make a name for himself. So. <laughs> exactly. He's got to pick any advantage he has. And that ser- that series gets started uh, as of this recording tomorrow. It starts on Mar- Friday, March 5th. First pitch is due for 4 p.m. Then for the Saturday and <clears throat> excuse me for the Saturday and Sunday games, Saturday gets started at two p.m. Sunday is due for three p.m. The first two games are going to be on the ACC Network Extra. The final game of the series is going to be just on ACC Network, so they, that's going to be actually on TV. You don't have to like pull it up on a streaming device or anything like that. I know a lot of those early college baseball games you can't really watch them unless you're watching it on your phone or your laptop or your tablet or what have you, but. For that final game in the Georgia Tech series, you will be able to watch it on TV. Thank God. It's about time. So that that's going to be an exciting series. I can't wait. And I'm not just saying that because I covered Georgia Tech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, uh, like you said, Sunday is the first game, if I'm not mistaken, this year that has been on actually televised that you don't have to go to the ESPN app. So um, it'll be good for Louisville fans to, um, if you haven't got a chance to see them yet this year, to tune in and uh, hopefully watch Louisville win the series down there in Atlanta. Let's hope so. That that series gets started this weekend. Like I said, uh, we're gonna wrap. It's gonna be an. It's been another successful episode. I'd say it's it went a little bit longer, but hey, that means more content for you guys. That it's 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 easy to get lost in baseball conversation sometimes, no matter the subject within the the sport. No, that's right. You know, especially when uh, covering so many games and we've had so much going on within the program, um, and have a couple good guests on. Uh, everyone should look forward to with uh, Jake and Nick. So they'll be on. Uh, here in just a few minutes to hear what they brought to the the show tonight. Absolutely. Once again, I'm Matt McGavick, deputy editor of Louisville Report. You can find it at Louisville on SI. You can find me on Twitter at General Wasp, or you can go to si.com slash college slash Louisville, or if you if you want to just go directly to LouisvilleReport.com. Matt, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Matt Sefkovic, or you can find me on CardinalSports.com, part of the Rivals Network. And before I sign off, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up our lovely hosts, Presley Meyer and Jacob Lane, over at the State of Louisville, giving us this platform to host this this Louisville baseball podcast. The only Louisville baseball podcast out there there is, at least until someone else wants to step up and create some competition. I'm not saying that's about to happen, but hey, we're ready for it. We're we're ready for it. We've got the market. We've got the market cornered, man. Now coming up, we've actually got an interview with uh, Nick Bennett and Jake Snyder, a pair of teammates that were. On that 2019 World Series team, both in the, they've already started their minor league careers at this point. Both are drafted after 2019, and that's a good one. I we had a we had a great time talking to them. We we kind of dived in a little bit to that 2019 World Series team. Kind of asked them a little bit about uh, their minor league career. They had a pair of really good stories that kind of encapsulate minor league baseball. I really liked Jake's story in particular. That one made me laugh. And then I, I kind of threw him a curveball there, no pun intended, to, and asked them uh, what they could do differently if, uh, in hindsight, looking back at their Louisville career. But I'm not going to spoil anymore. I'll let you guys listen to that. This is Matt McGavick, and f- joined by Matt Zakovic. And enjoy this interview with Nick Bennett and Jake Snyder. Once again, thank you for listening to another episode of the Third and Central Podcast. And like we said today, we've got a pair of very special guests. We have a pair of teammates from the 2019 World Series team, one at the plate and one on the mound. Once, uh, please welcome in left-handed pitcher Nick Bennett and infielder Jake's uh, outfielder, excuse me, Jake Snyder. Jake, Nick, how you guys doing today? Good. Doing thanks, good. Uh, thanks for having us. We uh, glad to be on and uh, can't wait to talk a little shop. <laughs> 
How you doing over there, Jake? Doing good. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It gives me something to do for once in a while. Right. Right, <laughs> right. right. But sitting around a bunch, you get to actually talk and get involved with conversation. It'll be nice. And all right, it's better than twiddling your thumbs at home all day. That's right. But, That's absolutely right. Anyway, just to give a, give a brief uh, background as both you guys, you guys were a part of that 2019 College World Series team that ended up placing third overall in Omaha, Louisville's highest ever placing in the College World Series. Then after that year, both of you guys decided to go pro. Nick, you were drafted by the Brewers. Jake, drafted by the Pirates. Just how has your guys' journey through the minor leagues gone ever since getting drafted in 2019? Um, I'll put it this way. I don't think uh, Jake or I expected it to go like this. Um, no, definitely sure. not. Um, I feel like I've been playing the sport of working out and staying in shape than actually playing baseball. So um, it's probably going on day about 784 of workouts with no baseball being played. So um, that's definitely a tough part for me. I'm sure it sucks for Jake too. I, I, I guarantee hitters are just as much ready as pitchers are. So I'm sure he feels the same way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for our first like shorter season, obviously us being in Omaha, we got there a little bit later than everybody else. You know, it was a lot of fun. It had a kind of a summer ball feel. I don't know if that's how Bennett felt, but it was hundred um, percent not to not to bash on summer ball, but I thought it was a lot better than that. Um, just in terms of the guys that are around and how everybody kind of feels about the game. And then, like Bennett said, I mean, I got to go to spring training for maybe a little under a month last year and then came back home. And it's just like Nick said, it's just a lot of been a lot of working out, trying to figure out um, the right balance of baseball stuff and the right amount of working out. But I mean, it's also a good thing. We've never been able to work out this much, I guess, for this long. And I mean, me and Nick have been fortunate enough um, to have a place to do stuff in, whether it's working out or baseball or doing whatever. And I know some people for a little bit didn't have that uh, privilege, but I mean, we've been pretty fortunate in that aspect. Absolutely. And I, uh, I think, think it'll benefit us just getting to work out as much as we have and uh, focus on our bodies for this long of a time. I think it'll benefit us going into spring training here soon. So. Absolutely. And just a really quick follow-up to that. So and are you guys still assured like a spot in the minors when they do inevitably come back? Because like, I, I, because I know a, a lot of guys across the sport because of all of the minor league cuts and how M- MILB had to cancel their season last year. Some guys just were outright waived. So are you guys still good to go once um, it resumes? I don't know exactly how all that works, the, in, the ins and outs of it. But um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's kind of like college fall baseball you know everybody's fighting for a spot on a team so um I don't really have a mindset of going in and just knowing I'm put on a team or whatever it's more of like you know you got to fight for your spot and show up and do the best you can and perform and uh then it'll go from there so I'm not really sure the ins and outs of that but I I would I would assume so yes yeah kind of what Nick said I assume it's kind of kind of be somewhat of that feel I mean obviously um, yes, we're in professional baseball, but it's not just that we get there. We still have to work every day. There's a ton of competition with a, guy, a lot of guys who are extremely good at baseball. So, I mean, it's just going to come down to whenever you, we get the chance to actually go back and play. Um, a, are you ready to play? And B, are you ready to work in order to win a job or win a spot? And you all definitely had a wild journey in your uh, minor league career so far. Is there – one moment or story that sticks out as your favorite uh, memory so far 
um, during your young career? I definitely have one. This is probably my fifth game in rookie ball. I had just gotten to Colorado Springs, Colorado, and we were playing against the Dodgers rookie ball team in Ogden, Utah. So that's about a 10 and a half hour bus ride first off. And then, um, so this is like my third or fourth minor league baseball game. Um, there was a bench clearing brawl and, um, I just thought it was the craziest thing ever. Cause I mean, that never really happened at Louisville. Yeah. Guys would get chippy and chirp a little bit here and there, but this was like a full on bench clearing brawl. Like our pitcher had to get walked to the, to the, uh, locker room. And it, when I, when that happened, I was like, wow, this, this is minor league baseball. And this is, this is actually what happens. And I just thought it was really cool. Um, definitely was not involved in the brawl, but, um, one, it was kind of crazy what happened. Uh, one of the hitters for the Dodgers, I don't know who it was, um, in the middle of the at bat, he switched bats. <laughs> he walked back to the dugout and switched bats. And then he came back, got in the box. This is after like a 45 second ordeal. He's got two strikes on him. He then stepped out of the box like two or three times, redid his gloves. And the kid on the, glo- on the mound was just like, all right, I'm tired of this. And straight up plunked him in the head. Um, when he plunked him in the Jeez. head, the kid started charging the mound, and that's when the bench is cleared. And I was like, wow, this is welcome to minor league baseball. <laughs> Were you in the bullpen yeah. at that point in time? Did you come I, out of the I pen? was not. I, um, I was starting either – I think it was – I was getting ready to make a start. So I was in the dugout just hanging out. The starters usually hang out in the dugout a little bit. So I was in the dugout, and I saw everybody starting to run out of the dugout. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is actually happening <laughs> right now. <laughs> Jake, what about you? Um, I mean, we had something sim- kind of similar to that. I won't tell another story, but uh, like that. But I don't kind of weird what happened. Never had never seen this before ever. Um, we were in, I think, Elizabethtown, um, like Tennessee or something. We were playing the Twins, and in the middle of the game, all of a sudden, a pipe burst behind the mound, and it's like. It's shooting water, like gallons of water, like 20 feet (laughs) up into the air, like flooded the whole infield. Like it was like a 45 minute ordeal. And eventually we started playing again, but like there's a pond just around the pitcher's mouth. (laughs) I'd never seen it before. Yeah, that that definitely those two stories right there definitely sum up minor league baseball. <laughs> yeah, that that's a good accurate wild. depiction of minor league baseball right there. It's yeah. it's a it's it's a far cry from the the nice facilities at Louisville's, I, I suppose. Oh yeah, yeah, yes it is. Yeah, but you never, but I mean, you never get to experience kind of stuff like that. Like Bennett said, I don't think. I mean, I think the closest we were in the benches clearing was uh, sophomore year when Devin Mann got hit in the head when we were playing UK. Right. That was about the closest we got. And we we weren't even 10 feet from the other team. That was the closest we got. This was like full on, like dudes grabbing other dudes. (laughs) Like some guys were definitely ready to throw punches. Like it was pretty crazy. Good grief. That's insane. All right. So kind of moving on. uh, Ever since you guys have started your uh, professional careers, I'm sure you've run into a bunch of uh, veteran guys, coaches who probably like lended a helping hand at some point to try and help aid in your guys' career to try and reach the big leagues. Who has been uh, your biggest mentor or influence outside of Louisville since you guys started uh, minor league ball? Um, I'll let you go first, Nick. Okay. Uh, for me, uh, um, I would probably say my 
my trainer I work with back here at home, uh, Kevin Hollibaugh. Um, he, uh, he built a, uh, sports performance workout place. Very, very beautiful facility. It's called uh, pro pro Four sports performance. And, um, I think I've really taken my body to a whole nother level just from working out and, um, doing a lot. He's, he's very smart about baseball technique, workout type stuff like that. Um, not just working out, but also, um, like arm care and basic pitcher stuff that some guys lack and don't do. And, um, definitely him. And then for a player, uh, Brent Suter, who is a pitcher for the Brewers works out there with me. And, um, we, this whole off season until he left for big league spring training, we've been working out together and, uh, really pushing each other. And he was my catch partner the whole off season. And, um, I've, I've learned a lot from him, from him. He's a very intelligent, uh, baseball player, not just on the field, but off the field, he's very intelligent. And I, I learned a lot from him as well. Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, we have a lot of guys that went to UofL that, um, cause I'm still here in Louisville, obviously Bennett's back in Cincinnati, um, that we've been working out with. And for me, um, one of the guys, I'm not saying he, like necessarily like go out to eat with them or like have a ton of conversation with them, but just like watching Chad green every day, like when he would come in, how he like interacts, um, like a very awesome dude. Um, very humble like if you just saw him you'd never know that he's been in the big leagues for however long he's been in right um and like just a, like a very good dude just goes about how he works very well um and for me I mean that's just something good to see obviously haven't been playing professional baseball for an extremely long time and just seeing a guy like that just how he comes in every day and just how he works and even just how he is with other people I mean there's just no like arrogance at all like telling if you saw this dude on the street and had a conversation with him, you never know that he's, I mean, one of the, the bullpen guys for the New York Yankees. So is he still pretty active in Louisville? Does he work out there regularly? Uh, yeah, we work out. It's called Norton Sports Performance. We work out with uh, Eric Hammer. Um, there was probably, I mean, 10 of us in there before guys started going to big league camp. Um, he used to be the old strength coach for the baseball team before Zach Farrell was. Good deal. Well, uh, let's. Uh, I want to take us back to the 2019 College World Series run. Um, is there one moment that stands out, um, maybe individually or as a team, over the rest of the memory from that year and that run? Kind of what stands out to you all um, about that season? Um, I think that team was um, super close and um, just the friendships and the relationships that Jake and I made with our other teammates, our coaches, even the fans that year, just everybody who was involved with Louisville baseball in that year of 2019 is something I'll never forget. Um, you know, coach, coach Mack did a great job of manning that ship all the way to Omaha, along with coach Williams and coach Snyder and coach Vrabel. And um, I just think I wouldn't say a specific moment on, on or off the field. I just think it was the relationships that we formed as a team and how close we really were. I mean, I, that baseball team to me is all my brothers. Um, I don't have a, I don't have a biological brother. So that baseball team was definitely all of my brothers in 2019. And that's probably something I'll remember for the longest time. Yeah, for sure. Kind of like what Nick said, I mean, it's kind of weird. Like you go to the college, not knowing anybody, and then you walk out of there three or four years, five years later, however long it is. And 
I mean, you pretty much have a family right around with you for the rest of your life. Um, obviously, you're not going to be extremely close to all 35 guys or however many it is. But, I mean, there's going to be 10 or 15 that, I mean, you'll talk to for the rest of your life. And, I mean, that's just something that's really special that, um, I don't know, I don't know if sports like football necessarily can have that because there's so many guys. But, I mean, for baseball, I mean, it's just a unique, unique thing where it's just a limited amount of guys. And, I mean – would probably die for some of those guys. You know I, what I mean? I, like it was, it's just hard to describe how close that team really was. Um, just ever since freshman year, it just became, you got closer and closer each year. Right. And, I, think and, uh, made, I think what made it so unique was we literally did everything together. Uh, you go and get, if you're going to get food, you're going to get food with two or three other dudes on the team. If you're literally, watch, watch what, watch what you're saying right now. Yeah. They can't do that with COVID now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not now, but back in 2019, you could. Right. So, um, if like, I just feel like whenever I was doing something, whether that was on the field or off the field, it was with other guys on the team too, just because we were all that close and we could all do stuff together on and off the field as a, as a group. So. Yeah. You were, you're never alone. Um, you always had someone to lean on, obviously in baseball, it's so much mental and you needed those couple of guys to lean on and eventually you have to get stuff off your chest. That's nice to have, um, people in your corner that you can really trust and you really respect. Um, where not only they can listen to you, but they feel like they can talk to you and let stuff out. So um, with that team, I think it was just really special in terms of how close we were and how much, um, pretty much how much of a bond that we had in order to move forward. Right. And uh, before I go on to my next question, one one moment I want to kind of go back to during that run was that Mississippi State game. You guys were on the ropes heading in that ninth inning and you guys end up walking off the Bulldogs. What was that moment like because I know because I was I was there at Omaha covering that game and even for me someone who's not a part of the team I I my heart was in my throat just watching that game and then to see you guys pull off the victory by the skin of your teeth that had to have been an insane experience um, yeah I think my experience is a little bit different than Bennett obviously Bennett wasn't playing and I don't think did you did I, I you started, pitch it? I started, you started that game like, it did my role in the game did not matter at that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, toward, I mean, I think I let off the inning. Um, and I, I don't think I can tell you anything that happened in that <laughs> entire inning until the game was over. It was just, I mean, you so locked in that you almost like black out almost. Um, I was in the dugout, obviously, after I started. And um, it wasn't a great start for me. Um, and came into the dugout and head was high everything was fine and I I just had a confidence in in the guys that were playing that we were going to pull that game out one way or another um I could just feel it in the dugout a little bit that everybody had that high confidence and trust in one another that we were going to end up pulling that out one way or another and um you know we ended up doing it and that was running out on the field with everybody after that happened was definitely one of the coolest experiences I had while playing baseball at Louisville one thing I do remember, though, Pat Romero was definitely not the fastest guy. And, Absolutely, and not. I and I could not catch Pat Romero. That's the only thing. The that guy I was remember. like, flat. I could not, I could flat. not catch him. Yeah, oh, I catch him out to Campbell. I I bet that mad dash to catch either Oriente <laughs> or Campbell during that final at bat was just insane. I bet you guys were just going full sprint after <laughs> them. We looked like a football team running down on kickoff. Oh just doing God. just doing suicides and kickoffs, oh man. That's right. 
Oh, man. Okay, now heading into uh, my next question. Uh, obviously, you guys have moved on to the professional level, but looking back, uh, this might be a bit of a tricky question. Is there anything you guys, knowing what you know now, would have done differently when during your time at Louisville? Bennett, me or you? Um, I, I'm going to think for a second. If you, if you got one off the top of your head, go. Yeah, um, I don't think I was necessarily the – like greatest hitter or whatever of all time. Um, but I definitely think that I psyched myself out um, a lot during like my sophomore year. I had a little stretch where it was going pretty bad and even my junior year for a little bit. And it always seemed to, for some reason, click in the last month of the season. And I kind of just wish I would have worried about stuff a little bit less and um, not really, it's going to sound bad, but not care as much. Because I think that you can care too much and you kind of get going in your head. And I just think that's one thing um, that I've definitely done a little bit better job of moving on in the professional baseball. But, I mean, that just goes with, you know, growing up, trying to figure out your way almost of how you need to be. Um, I mean, some guys need to care more and some guys need to honestly care a little bit less. And For me, I think I was caring a little bit less and just, like, taking that pressure off of me. Um, for me, I think it's more of the mental side of baseball. Um, I wish I would have been more fine-tuned in here um, than physically on the mound. Um, you know, I was very aware of everything going on within the game, the ins and outs of how it works and all the data and all that good stuff. But um, I think there's a part of baseball that's more mental than physical. And I think my mental game was good. Uh, I think it was strong, but I think it could always be better. And that's something that I've definitely worked on once I left Louisville. And I, I wish I would have had that early on when I was at Louisville, like my freshman and sophomore year going into my junior year. Uh, you know, Coach Mack always talks about how the draft sometimes affects guys. And um, I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to say it didn't affect me. I definitely was one of those guys who thought about it a bunch and I definitely wish I wouldn't have just because um, you know, the, the, the draft will play out how the draft plays out, you know, um, that's something out of your control, but what you can control is how you play and how you perform. And I definitely think the mental side of the game, if I would have been a little bit more fine tuned with that, that would have helped me out for sure. Jake, to kind of build on what you said, and this question is probably aimed at you a little bit more. Um, as a hitter, um, you go through slumps. There's ups and downs, um, and on the mound as well. But specifically as a hitter, you know, a couple guys this year starting a little bit slow. Um, what is your approach? What's your mindset? And what's kind of the message that the Louisville staff is, um, you know, talking to these players about is their approach at the plate to get out of that slump? Um, I mean, for me, kind of like what Bennett kind of touched on. Um, I mean, for one, it's early, which – I mean, things are going to happen. You saw it all the time. You still see it all the time where guys start a little bit slow. Um, but just watching, I just think it just comes down to trust, um, not putting too much pressure on themselves. I think maybe, I mean, I'm not going to speak for other guys, but kind of what Bennett said, the draft sometimes does weigh on you. And um, at the end of the day, um, that's in however many months. And for I mean, the guys that are struggling, I mean, they're they're very good at baseball and no one doubts that. I think they just need to come back into their own and just worry about what they're doing every single day in order to help the team win. Not if I'm whatever for whatever so far in this point of the season. Because um, no matter what, even if you don't get a hit every game or do whatever, like you, 
have hundreds of ways to contribute to the team in order to help them win. And I mean, yeah, I know it's early, but I mean, guys can still, I mean, move the ball with runners on runners on base. And I think that's what their struggle was with in the last game. But um, I mean, I think they're okay. I mean, just, I just think it needs to go back to like coming into your own and just trust what you can do and not be so worried about the draft that's in four or five months. I mean, that's a lot, it's a lot easier now to say that after we've already gone through it, but I mean, that would just be my message to those guys. Yeah. And uh, to Nick, what about some uh, guys who might have be having a slow start uh, on the mound? Is, do you just tell them, Hey, it's all in your head or what, what's your approach when you talk to someone who's maybe either not having a great outing or is not having a good stretch or something to that nature? Right. Um, you know, being a pitcher, you got to have a short-term memory. Um, mm-hmm. I know when I was there, uh, I'd have a bad outing or something and I'd immediately want to go dissect what happened in the outing and how it went, what went wrong, what I was doing wrong. And, and that's all okay. Absolutely. But at a certain point, you got to do a classic coach mind and uh, a classic coach Mac and flip the page and move on to the next start because, or the next outing, whether that's starting or relieving. Um, I think a short-term memory as a pitcher is really beneficial and um, that's something coach Williams actually, um, taught me, uh, you know, um, people, people talk about how great coach Williams is, uh, working with pitchers and gets guys to throw hard and nasty breaking balls and stuff. But, but there's more to coach Williams. He can, he will talk to you about the mental side of the game a little bit. If you talk to him about it. And, um, I felt as if I was pretty close with him and that's something we could talk about how, you know, hey, we still trust you. The, the the coaching staff and the rest of the guys still trust you, and that's why you're being. That's why you're out there because you're good. So you just have to trust your stuff. And you know, a bad outing that can happen, but don't let it turn into two bad outings, three bad outings. Short term memory loss is good when you're a pitcher, whether that's starter or reliever. So that's something I would I would say to guys is just you know, it's it's all about the bounce back. Forget about what happened and move along because you can only control what you can control. It didn't go, it didn't work out well for you in the last outing, but then you can control how you prepare and how you pitch in the next outing. So. Yeah, right. And the two best, I mean, the two best guys that we saw um, do that were McKay and Detmers. I mean, they were very similar in how they did everything that Bennett just talked about. I right. mean, they're just, I'm not, not saying that they're not the greatest pitcher ever, but how they came and they worked and they got on that mound, it was just, it was just a different feel. Um, and they just looked different than other guys that either we saw or that we had. And I mean, it really showed. Gotcha. And kind of as a, a final question, I'm not sure how much you guys have been able to watch this current team, but uh, this, this team is doing some things real well and some things are kind of struggling a little bit. What have your, some of your guys' impression of this team through the first couple weeks of the season as they've completed the bulk of their non-conference schedule? I am um, a, I had the, I, you got Go it. ahead, Jake. Got okay. Um, I had the privilege of doing my internship with them in the fall, so I was around them all fall and kind of um, in a different spot just looking and on the team, obviously not being as much a part of it, just trying to help out. Um, I mean, what I saw is a very, very, very good team. Um and I mean, even still, I sometimes go to go hit or whatever over there and I watch them hit. And it's just um, I think it just goes back to offensively trusting what they do um, when they're not in a game, because sometimes it looks like they're trying to do something a little bit different in the game. Because, I mean, they're all all really, really, really good hitters. And um, that just kind of goes back to not putting as much pressure on yourself when the lights are on 
because I mean, there should be there should be no doubt in any of those guys' head um, of how good they are. Um, first off, I want to say I am now a diehard Louisville baseball fan, and I watch every game. I find it on my phone. I'm watching always. Same. Um, I mean, that's just something I love. To, I love watching college baseball in general, and obviously getting to watch guys that I've played with and new guys here at Louisville. I, I love doing that. Um, and I know, uh, you know, you have a couple early, early season uh, bad losses, whatever you want to call them. And you get the fans, oh, Louisville baseball's not legit this year, <laughs> all that stuff. I love, I yep. love hearing and seeing that stuff because Every guess year. what? Guess what? Give it, give it a little bit and they'll be just fine. Okay. The, these, these dudes know how to figure that out. They have great leaders in the dugout. They have great, great leaders as coaches. They will get all of that figured out. I, I don't have a doubt in my mind that they will end up in Omaha again. They, they always prevail. We always do. Um, and I think we love playing towards the end of the year, middle to the end of the year. That's, a, that's when we turn it on. And that, I mean, Jake, Jake can probably speak for this too. We definitely slacked a little bit early in the year here and there when we were there. And, you know, I don't know why that is or, or what the reasoning is for that, but that's part of baseball. Um, that happens with teams and, but those kinks get, get thrown out of the window pretty quickly. Once you start moving into ACC play and towards the middle of the year and then the ACC tournament and then the postseason, and we'll, they'll look like a whole new team compared to what they look like now. I guarantee it. Right. Base, yeah. Baseball is baseball. It's, it's one of those sports where it's, it's the most upset prone sports they're in. Like the exactly. murderers row, New York Yankees could lose to the hundred lost Houston Astros on any, any given day. Any given day, any given day. Yeah. I mean, they, and they kind of had a similar start to what we had in 2019. We, right. I don't think we had a very good start at all. No, we did. We, we were losing games that we should have won. And coach Mac, coach Mac talks about that all the time. And, it just, it takes teams a little bit to get going sometimes. And I mean, I, I just from watching that, it reminds me of when I, Jake and I were there because we dealt with similar situations like that. So to all the fans out there that are, you know, complaining, Oh, they're not going to make it though. Just relax. They'll be all right. And I, I think, um, and no disrespect to the team they've played so far, it, you know, it's hard to get up for um, some of the teams like that. Um, you know, when you get into ACC play, you know, it's Absolutely. a lot easier to get amped up for a game like that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. ACC baseball is top tier baseball. There's plenty of guys from other ACC teams that are going to get drafted and go on and play for a long time, just like Louisville. And and that's when like that for me, and I, I'm sure Jake can attest to this too. That's when the fun baseball began for us. Um, you know, once you, once you play your, your quick midweek games and your first few weekend series and get that out of the way and, you know, you're playing a bunch of different guys and filling out the lineup and stuff. And then and then once it's time to go, it's time to go. And I think we made that switch very quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. Big big boy ball is just around the corner. As as of this recording, they start tomorrow, Friday with three game series in Atlanta against the red hot Georgia Tech team. So it'll be it'll be an interesting series. They're gonna put the they're going to get tested really quick. Uh, once again, thanks again, you two, for joining us. This has been left-hander Nick Bennett of the Milwaukee Brewers organization, joined with uh, outfielder Jake Snyder with the Pittsburgh Pirates, correct? Yes.
pirates for, i don't know why i, I had doubt in my mind on that one it, 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 it's hard to track with, with all the louisville yeah, guys that, that they're puting guys in the league track, it really is a now. lot of guys so, 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 sometimes i forget how many guys the white Sox have drafted <laughs> oh, you, you, you need a couple you need a couple hands for that one yeah i know <laughs> once again thank you guys for joining us this has been episode two of the third central podcast with matt mcgavick and matt sikovich this is us signing off say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 